Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. My name is Ray Park. You may know me as playing Dark Moon of Phantom Menace, Bone Wars, and also... Solo and Star Wars story. You're listening to Star Wars Stuff Podcast. The Force is strong with you all. And remember, sit Hey, this is Dominic Pace, who plays Gecko the Bounty Hunter from The Mandalorian, letting you all know you are listening to the Star Wars Stuff Podcast. Wishing everybody all the best, and may the Force be with you. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Star Wars Stuff Podcast, where we talk all things Star Wars. My name is Matt. And my name is David. And today we are going to be discussing Star Wars. Haha, <laughs> gotcha. Um, but no, we have a couple things on our roster today. Uh, most of them are going to relate with to D23. We got some stuff about um, uh, future Star Wars games with uh, Giancarlo Esposito. We got some other stuff, and we got a little bit of Boyega news at the end. So uh, we're just going like, to start at the beginning. Uh, we're going to do like the most recent thing because you know I like to work in timelines. I don't know about you, David, but I'm kind of like like OCD when it comes to like my schedule. So I like to just lay it out in the front so everyone knows what we're going to do. So they're not going to be disappointed. Yeah. And they'll yell at me story. if I do anything out. Go ahead. Yeah. Funny story. We were at Anaheim in my hotel and uh, I wear basketball socks and uh, I was laying on the bed and like Matt was there like getting dressed in the solo or something. And he looked at my left foot <laughs> and he saw an R on <laughs> And he made a comment and I was like, uh yeah I, I guess uh the socks just got rolled up together but two r's i don't know if uh if you have well like i socks. like you're talking about like nike elite socks i think or something yeah like that. yeah yeah and like those socks are specifically designed <laughs> so that certain areas of knitting are thicker and because when you're wearing them in, in athletic shoes they get more friction and rub more in certain places so right, i was like right. you're totally going against the design of these socks <laughs> And well, the, like, the, the, well, the socks that I was wearing, they were kind of worn anyway, so I really couldn't like feel the difference. So, really Dude, I bought a pair of Nike Elite socks when I was a sophomore in high school, and I still owe them, own them to this day and wear them. So those are their quality socks. Yeah, 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 for sure. So, um, yeah, I wear a pair when I troop as a TIE pilot because I stand on my feet a long time. For sure. But, yeah, they're, they're quality thick socks that are very uh, scent resistant, which is a good thing for uh, sweaty feet people such as myself. Um, yeah, they're not sponsoring the podcast or anything. So. No, they're not. And I don't know why we're talking about <laughs> socks when I just said our schedule and socks weren't on it. So thanks for that. Uh, let's So let's talk about the D23, which is yes. coming up uh, next weekend, uh, the September 9th through the 11th. Or, yeah, is it the, yeah, the 11th? Um. Yeah. But since this is the Star Wars Stuff podcast, we're going to specifically talk about Saturday, September 10th, which is the Marvel Studios, Lucasfilm, and 20th Century Studios Showcase, which takes place at uh, 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, I'm not familiar or in, I'm not sure if they're going to be airing that one live. I know that they are going to be doing some live streams for the Ultimate Disney Fan Event at the Expo. But I'm unsure which specific showcases um, are on that list. So, um, but I do know that 
the Lucasfilm panel will consist of talking um, about the most upcoming and most recent uh, series, 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 I don't know. <laughs> series. The yeah. most recent series that will be airing this fall and then into next spring. They'll talk probably a little bit about Mandalorian season three, of course, but with the ones we have to look forward most to is um, Andor, uh, the Bad Batch season two, um they may talk about boba fett's next adventure as well um it's possible we may find out more information about whether that is um something to look forward to as well as it because it being a lucas film panel they're also going to be discussing the fifth installment of the indiana jones um saga so i guess we have that to look forward to as well um i mean a little bit off topic but they're i mean with the 20th century fox being there they're probably going to talk about avatar you know because that's a a project uh, from 20th Century Studios. So, I mean, we could have that for to look forward to. But in terms of what we're going to hear specifically relating to um, Star Wars, um, Andor is a really big topic of conversation, being that it is um, one of the the biggest things to come from that specific era in the Star Wars universe and uh, seeing a character that has been brought back to life just because of audience and fan response it's just another one of those um tv series and or films that didn't or wasn't even on the roster and probably never would have existed without the fans us um voicing our opinions uh same thing with like the obi-wan kenobi series that never would have happened probably if we didn't voice our opinions so much um so before i like talk about like some of the key aspects that are going into the 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 andor series what what are you expecting to see and or hear about the Andor series from D23? Uh, I think we're going to get actors on <clears throat> stage. I think they are going to talk a little bit more about it. We're so close to the premiere date. Of course, we all know the premiere was supposed to happen in August, but they pushed it back so that there wasn't maybe like a kind of like log jam of series that we're going to have. Pretty soon we're going to have, I think, five out of the seven days with some type of big brand new series for each of the big uh, corporations now that have shows. Uh, We were talking earlier about uh, House of the Dragon on HBO Max. That's uh, doing really well. Mm -hmm. And of course, we have Rings of Power that's out. I I really like television series ever. Yep, that is true. It's been pretty intense so far. Um, It's given me a lot of like Hobbit vibes, but it's they've like amped it up to 11 in terms of like visual effects and just, you know, like they're really getting digging deep into the plot line. So I'm really excited for that. Um, yeah. The visual effects are super clean, like really. Yep. Like out of this world intense using state of the art technology. I heard something like 11 effects houses were utilized and they did a lot of outsourcing for sure. Yeah. They didn't spare Um, any expense. They were like, yeah, just make it happen. Whatever you need to do. We'll yeah, and a lot of people were like, "How could, how could one series cost so much?" And they're only thinking of like practical, physical, like sets and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. I think, I think like more than half of their budget was just spent on editing and outsourcing and uh, developing content that wasn't a real world and it was just uh, um, computer generated imagery. So a lot of that. Um, but how much of that? Do you, how much CGI would you suppose that we may see in Andor? Because I've seen a lot of pictures of like the set 
And I know a lot of uh, what goes into Lucasfilm is practical as well as special effect. Yeah, I'm glad that you brought this up because I think that from what we've seen in the trailers, it looks like all the CGI is is locked. That's what we're going to see in the show. And it looks really great. And James and I yesterday on Patreon Daily, on uh, our Patreon, we were talking about how maybe they, um, they being Lucasfilm Disney, were kind of using a little bit of foresight here and thinking, okay, well, we're going to have the most expensive TV show of all time. And that's going to be concurrently running with our show. So in essence, we're going to have to be competing with them. So let's mm-hmm. maybe put more budget towards Andor. And then, of course, you're going to have Game of Thrones running concurrently. Then we're going to have She-Hulk running. So <laughs> it's kind of one of those things. It's like maybe that's the reasoning behind. Well, one of the factors, I would say, because I think Tony Gilroy, I think he's very well respected. And the fact that Rogue One and IMAX has done so well, it's one of the top IMAX films of all time. And right. it's uh, it, it's it's just a kind of like a sign of respect to, to Gilroy and the material. They got a really good script. They got a complete and beginning, middle, and end story for Andor. We're only going to get two seasons, no more, no less. There, There is rumors of spinoffs, though, so we might get something possibly Saw Guerrero-related and maybe age him down a bit and show his beginnings and genesis. That could be intense. Yeah. yeah, that could be really, really dark and that, um, yeah that that could be um a more adult series for sure and andor is um, going to be more adult it's going to be the most adult thing we get in star wars yeah because and, we'll finally get to see that the things that he had to do for the rebellion that he doesn't really want to talk about yeah man I, it's it's going to be exciting and it's fitting that it's going to kind of run during one of the more adult series in game of thrones as well um it's really the but, battle of series, you know, like this fall, like <laughs> all of these different powerhouses, like airing at the same time. It's like almost like they did it on purpose. Well, the or great thing is, in yeah, the, queue, the great thing is know. they're on, on different nights of the week. So we don't right. have to like, oh, well, we got to watch this one first. And then that one, it's like, it's Game of Thrones Sunday. Then I think it's going to be Andor on Wednesday, She-Hulk on Thursday, and then Rings of Power on Friday. Yeah, we said that like Monday, Tuesday, and Saturday, and then like yeah. Saturday is like college football. So if you're into that, <laughs> you could you could fill in your gaps with that Monday night football. Um, I don't know if you're like into like I don't know. There's like what's happening on Tuesdays? Um, tacos, Taco Tuesdays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Taco yeah. Tuesday for sure. Tuesday. Yeah, speaking, <laughs> yeah. Speaking of football, I'll be at the Cowboys Buccaneers game on Sunday, so I will. You're be going to that, and it's okay. It's at home. Okay. <laughs> interesting i have yeah, no I stake in that game bang. so yeah i did see this like car drive by it was like a pt cruiser that was painted like the color of like the buccaneers and it had it was just oh, covered wow. in stickers and i was like wow yeah. i mean like of all the vehicles you're gonna tatter up a pt cruiser for a buccaneers i don't know i don't know what, what that says about you um yeah to, to each his own i suppose yeah. um that's great though i'm super excited for you that's that's awesome have you been to a dallas cowboys game before Yes, I went to the very first one in Cowboys Stadium back in 2007. Um, You're a pioneer of the stadium. Yeah, my family's a really big Dallas Cowboys, San Antonio Spurs fan. That tracks, Um, you know, considering where you live and everything. Um, Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. But, uh, yeah, it would be be awesome to actually watch a a series on the the Jerry Tron. 
I don't know if you know in that stadium, it's like a huge. I know of it. I know of its like how famous it is for the size of its screen. I find that weird that the stadium is just most well known for its screen. And then like the Detroit Lions, they're most well known for their losses at home. So there's that. (laughs) (laughs) I so um yeah. Uh yeah, that's all I got to say about that. (laughs) So Andor, yeah, like um I'm I'm yeah. super excited. All the articles that are coming out um, basically state that it's going to be a dark series. It's going to be a departure. And for me, I think us in our Star Wars bubble, I think one of the first things we think of is the fact that it kind of flies in the face of Star Wars is for 12-year-olds. And the series I don't think is going to be necessarily for 12-year-olds. It's going to be for maybe young adults. I know they're not going to go too far off the deep end, but um, it's going to be dark, man. I mean, you see rebels holding AK 47s, you know, I mean, that's, that's quite something. And it seems like it's going to be a really dark series. And like what, what you said, what you pointed to before the beginning of rogue one, when you meet Cassie and Andor, I mean, he, he murders someone. And that's, that's kind of wild. When I saw it in the theater, I was very shocked. But, um, yeah, it's it's just going to be a dark series, and I think the fans are going to react really well to it. Um, going back to what I said, I mean, Star Wars, yeah, it is for twelve year olds, but all those twelve year olds that got Star Wars when they were younger, now they're in their forties, fifties, and right. it's just like the original trilogy, twelve year olds. Yeah, yeah, I, and I mean, you got to kind of. I think there's room to to cater to the older fan, and I think this is exactly what that's doing. And mm-hmm. I I hope they they do more of it. And if they do some type of like Saw series, that would be uh, dark as well. But uh, Acolyte should be pretty dark. I mean, that's uh, the main character is supposed to be on the dark side. So, and we might well. get stuff pertaining to. The legacy of the dark side, which would be great, but well, I guess there's like a couple like key points that I want to mention, and I'm using um, an article that was found on D23's website, and it was uh, written by Jocelyn Bullman, and she just basically like covers like like some of the five essential things that um, there she thinks are most important that were that were said by the cast and crew of the TV series, and I I when reading through the article, I kind of found myself greatly agreeing with these five things but that's only because i've never seen it yet so i can't really say much to it um but she kind of like gave like five bullet points um and i guess i can like go down them like one by one and then like give a little bit of backstory and then we can give our opinions on them if that's how you want to do it yeah uh so the first one it says that andor is the story of how a revolutionary war started i added the word war because i don't know why um but Basically, like we just discussed, this is this is the beginning and the of Cassie and Andor's journey within. What's not beginning? Well, we, we, I don't know. We might see him when he's when he just joined the fight um, since he was six years old. I'm not sure how it's going to start. It might. It might not. Maybe flashbacks. Right. I mean, he, he's, he's, he's been, been really going up against. Yeah, I think I think the way it's set up, he's been going against the rebellion since he was or the empire since he was six. But I don't think he phys- he actually literally joins rebellion until five years before the events of Rogue One. And the the footage they showed us before Rogue One and IMAX kind of lays that out. 
And I think you can actually watch it online now. I'm not sure where, but... Well, to quote this article specifically, there is a quotation from um, Gilroy himself. He says, we can do a story that takes Cassie Endor literally from his childhood origins and walks him through a five-year history of an odyssey that takes him to that place during a revolution, during the moment in history and a huge place where huge events are happening with real people and being crushed by it. Uh, the fact that we could follow somebody as an example of a re revolution all the way through it to the end made it work. That's what he said in terms of d trying to discuss um, how they would do like a, a walk-in series that would introduce this character, even though we've already met him at the end of his timeline. And this is us seeing him at, at the beginning and the potential, potentially the climax of his um, his career as a rebel, I guess. Is that a career choice? I think so. You don't really get paid much, but nonetheless, I think that uh, what Gilroy is like trying to mention is that you're gonna you're gonna get to see him turn from this innocent boy and work his way with revenge. He has this vengeance that he has behind him from what happened to him in his childhood, as well as um, just trying to work through just the good fight he has. Everyone has has a passion or a reason behind being in the rebellion. There's a there's a reason why they're there. They don't just sign on Indeed or something like that. They don't just hand an application in. So I guess we're gonna see the origins as to what brought him there, and then we're gonna get to see how his honor, in a way of saying his honor, is tainted by being a part of the rebellion because not everything's clean and pretty, even if you're on the good side. Um, so. What do you have to say about that? Like what that, that comment, what does that make you think is going to happen? Uh, well, we, uh, we have the luxury of actually knowing uh, how the seasons are going to be laid out. Um, Which is great. Yeah. I love that because, you know, and we had an example of this in the, the sequel trilogy where they didn't really have uh, a floor plan to, uh, and to put into words of what the sequel trilogy is going to consist of they had like a beginning point and an end point and a couple of like main bullet points. But for the most part, they were shooting in the dark and letting creativity kind of play a large role when it, in terms of production teams. Um, but I love the fact that Gilroy went through the process and he's going to, he want, he planned out each episode, what was going to be happening in it. He worked with his team and was very good with communicating. And the fact that he has before he had even, like we had even started the first season like months ago when we were back at Star Wars Celebration and he mentioned there's going to be two seasons, 12 episodes each, and you're going to 24 episodes. That's it. Um, and he said the it's going to take place and it's going to start five years before um, the, the, the beginning of Rogue One and the final episode is going to directly lead you into Rogue One. I think that's mm -hmm. beautiful. It's just, it's mosaic that he that came up with this choice um, because it gives an audience uh, a perspective to focus on. They don't have to worry about any wh where they are in the timeline. They don't have to focus on what is going to happen at the end of this series. They just know that in between this time and this time, something's going to happen. And that that is what is going to be answered in this series. And I just, I love that. Yeah, it's great. First season, 12 episodes. Second season, 12 episodes. First season, mm -hmm. 12 episodes is one whole year in the life of Cassie and Andor and all the other characters we meet. Second year, it's going to go by three episode blocks. So each three episodes is one year. So that's years 
two through five right there in season mm-hmm. two, leading up, like you said, to Rogue One, which is beloved, universally beloved by all Star Wars fans, it seems like. Well, I'm glad to hear that. I don't think people, I don't think people in the Star Wars universe uh, agree very often on a lot of things, but I will say that a lot, most, for the most part, most of them are on board with the creation of that project. Genius. But yeah, the, um, the next yeah. point that article makes, the D23 one that uh, we're referencing, is that you're going to meet a real, meet the real Mon Mothma. And I know Diego Luna's been doing the rounds and he's been talking to media. And he specifically says the show is called Andor, but it could really be called anything else because you're going to meet a lot of different characters. And one of the main characters to, um, I mean, I, I think our not real we're not really that surprised that mon mothma is going to be featured but i think that's pretty cool to take that character from return of the jedi and concentrate on the beginnings of her career in the senate and we don't know exactly how young they're going to take her because i know with cassian they're going to take him to when he was a little boy i think we see shots of him in the trailer but with Mon Mothma, it seems like she's going to have a really huge part to play. And of course, Star Wars does the thing where they get the actor that was cast decades ago to reprise the role. And it's Genevieve O'Reilly. She's back. And she looks great. She looks great as the younger Mon Mothma. And we all see her in Rogue One as Mon Mothma with the shorter hair, more of the Return of the Jedi look. But yeah, the article says, while much of the series is about Cassian's journey to the Rebel Alliance, it also spends a lot of time exploring different characters who are moving other parts in the story, including a familiar face for many. Genevieve O'Reilly reprises her role as Mon Mothma, which she previously played in Star Wars Revenge of the Sith and Rogue One. Each time we met her, we met this kind of composed, regal, dignified woman, O'Reilly says, who often, like with Cassian and Rogue One, sends people out on a mission. It's true. This Rebel Alliance leader's most famous scenes in Rogue One and Star Wars Return of the Jedi, as portrayed by Carolyn Blackiston, are both centered around sending the main characters on assignments. And then it also goes on to state, so what does Mon Mothma do when she's not telling us about complex plans and the Bothans who died to get them? For the first time, we get to see the woman behind the role, O'Reilly tells us. Uh, we get to see a private face of Mon Mothma. We get to flesh out not just the senator, not just the world be le- uh, would-be leader, of the Rebel Alliance, but also the woman. So that's great. I think we all want to see that. And what happened to the Bothans? You know, yeah, that <laughs> needs to be that. That man, that is like on Tony Gilroy's to do list. <laughs> right? I think. Yeah. Rogue Two. He has questions that need to answer, and he, that's one of them. Yeah, for with sure. the title, Manny Bothans. That would, that would be awesome. Yeah. And we haven't seen like Bothan really on seen that scene. Yeah, to see that, like, just. Not even just her like describing what happened, but I I would love to, as gruesome as it may or may not be, to see what actually happened to him. That would be amazing. Um, and a fun fact: um, if you this is not relating to Andor at all, but it's relating to Mon Mon Mothma exclusively. If you tuned into uh, Wednesday's episode uh, last week Wednesday, um, you will know that we had discussed uh, a special character in Star Wars, um, and we voted on it on our Instagram at Star Wars Stuff Podcast on our Instagram, um, on our stories, and we voted to discuss Embo, you know, the, the bounty hunter Embo. And um, I'm not sure, do you remember what when the Battle of Jakku took place? Was that? 
Um, what time? Uh, the time in, that's not going to happen during this series. But yeah, it was in the original trilogy time frame. Yeah, but uh, that'd be another great story to get Lost Stars. Yeah, that. but anyway, after the, following the Battle of um, Jakku, um, Embo, who was uh, friends with Sinjir Roth Velvis, um, another New Republic, you know, officer, he actually became um, an advisor to Chancellor Mon Mothma. So there is like potential. There's like a very small percentage. But there is a potential for Embo to show up in Andor. It's very small, very small. I will, I want to get your hopes up, but I just want y'all to know about that and relate to the last Wednesday's episode when we discussed it because I just you when you said Mon Mothma, that was the first thing I thought of. Yeah, and there's definitely a whole lot of potential for other characters to show up as well. We could possibly mm-hmm. see a younger live-action Ahsoka as well. Um, I think we all know that that what's what's behind the name fulcrum and there's a lot of fulcrum agents out there and andor was actually one of those agents so i mean there's a possibility we're gonna get young saw and i mean there's there's a lot of connections there um so hopefully i think that we're gonna get a few unexpected cameos and Mm -hmm. Aside from like the Palpatine and like the Grand Moff Tarkin, I think we're going to get some characters that we weren't expecting in this show, which would be great. Uh, yeah, that would be pretty intense. Um, that also kind of leads me into the next bullet point on this article, which is uh, discussing the um, the act of feminine heroism that takes place in this uh, series, the way that um, it's set up Mon Mothma being one of the lead characters she gets um a lot of screen time there is um what's the name of the character um Bix Colleen, which is um played by um Alex Ferns she is an imperial officer and she's like the main one of the main um uh well actually Bix well Bix is uh oh, wait, no. the, the new of... female yeah I'm thinking uh, of I think the love interest for Andor, I believe. Ar- Ar- Arjona? I'm talking about the actress who plays yes, Bix. Yes, Ar- jo- yeah, Arjona, yeah. yeah. Um, yes, she is, uh, she's Bix, and Denise Goff plays Dedra. It's the, okay, the female yeah, yeah. all in white, I'm yeah. Just mixing them up. Um, but yeah, like, so like the, like the top of the top five, like, main characters, three of them are women. And they have a lot of ties and affiliations with, um, you know, the plot of the entire show. Um, yeah. In terms it, of, it feels like Dedra could be the counterpart to Mon Mothma. Right. I just, I'm excited to see that because I think in terms of like Star Wars, this is the first. Is this the first time that we've seen the female leads and male leads equaling themselves in number, um, in terms of, um you know, the genders and which um, which one is kind of like more or less than the other. Because like, you know, like obviously like so like the original trilogy had more males and females in the original trilogy and the same thing with the sequel trilogy and the prequels. But this series here has a lot of female presence in their cast and not just any female presence, like strong, like, large presences on the screen of 
characters that may not necessarily have had that much um, attention in the past or even existed prior to this series um, other than in legends and stuff or not legends, but like, you know, Canon that wasn't on screen. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 It's, it's pretty cool to me. It's like a non talking point at this point, but I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of one of those things. It's like, you're going to see a lot of females in this series and in starring roles. And that's mm-hmm. great for, for, I think, the female part of Star Wars because they want to see more of that, which which is totally cool. I'm down yeah. with that. Girls um, like Star Wars too, David. They like Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, I'm not debating that. I'm saying, yeah, that's, that's, that's cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I mean, it. and just to see like one of the main antagonists, you know, a, a female officer in the ranks of the Empire, which is predominantly a male-dominated, um, you know, position, seeing that, you know, most of the, all I'm sorry, most if not all of the officers that we see other than like Captain Phasma and a couple of others like smaller roles, you know, like that we saw in like Kenobi series, even though she was a spy and not really an actual officer, even though she was kind of an officer. I'm gonna get off track. What I'm saying is that it's just cool that we're seeing an antagonist that is female, that is um a high ranking officer in the Empire, you know, kind of fascist organization that is also a feminist kind of <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't think they care about any of that really the empire i think they're just kind of i think they're in a point of like aggressive expansion and they're kind mm-hmm. of just like filling out the ranks yeah taking what and they're growing get. yeah they're growing to the point where i mean like even even with thrawn i know uh, the fact that they did not like his his race the chiss and he, it was odd that he was a high, as high ranking as he was, as as a just alien. So mm-hmm. there's that. But um, I'm trying to think back to the original trilogy. I don't think there was. I don't think we saw any Imperials that were female walking around. I don't think. Maybe in the Definitely. books, but not on screen. There were like in the bridge of um, Darth Vader's ship. There was like operators that were sitting down in the the pits like by those computers that i saw i think i saw like a female i can think Interesting. of but definitely not a person of like influence for sure um but yeah most like i'd say like 99.59 percent female um not my prerogative whatever um moving <laughs> moving on <laughs> Uh, bullet point number four of this article it just talks about the fully immersive world that the uh, the crew of Andor created just to film this process, uh, creating a 360 degree OLED screen with um, you know state of the art cameras and you know, like the way that they just um, kind of like kind of recreated just like Lucasfilm does all the time. The way that they are always making and coming up with new ways to create storylines um and there was this one quote that i thought was kind of funny um that where um diego was talking and he said i remember on the first day walking around and i was kind of getting lost in it all and exploring and it was so cool a specific memory stands out and it was really illustrates the sheer size of the whole thing as she explains actually this is not this is not diego but i'll get to it later um, she said, there was a day where one of our directors told me to run. And I was like, well, where do you want me to run? And he was like, well, anywhere you want, because 
any everything on the film or on the set as filmable. If you would go left, we could have filmed there. If you went right, we could have filmed there. He had basically point cameras either left or right, and that was kind of cool. I think, and that's the end of the quote. But I just that just goes to tell you the scale of the set that they're working on, where you can just go on a full out sprint either in any direction you wanted to, and they were going to be able to catch it um, on probably more than one camera, obviously. But um, I that I mean, they don't really discuss much of the technology that's used in this this set or the the way that the sets multiple many multiple um but i don't know i would like to get more into detail into that in the future uh on a future yeah. episode but um, i would really like to know the reasoning behind why they didn't go ahead and just use the volume was it tony gilroy was was it him saying no 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 we need to do uh on location shoots which look great the product looks fantastic and i think the fans audiences are, are kind of just saying, hey, yeah, that that actually works. That feels a lot more like Star Wars than maybe, say, just staying in the volume and us kind of being able to tell certain shots or in for the sure. volume, which for me, it's kind of hard for me to tell, um, but uh, most of the time. But when you see like the gallery stuff and the behind the scenes stuff, it's like, oh, okay, well, that whole part of that ship is the volume. It's just on the walls. Um, but it, it feels a whole lot like we're, go, we're we're experiencing the new technology, the new way of th- doing things, but we're all kind of going back to what made Star Wars great in the first place, which was almost entirely practical. Um, the, the motion control system um, being on location. Cause when George Lucas did the original Star Wars, he went to Africa for Tunisia, for Tunisia, for Tatooine, Mm-hmm. Then they built sets and leaves in studios in England for for Yavin 4. And, of course, Return of the Jedi, they went to the Redwood Forest in California. They shot there on, on set, on location. So I love the idea that they, like, sometimes they'll build sets and then they'll just leave them as is. And then you can find them, like, decades later, potentially use them again. Like... I know they did yeah, that. Yeah, the one in Tunisia. Yeah, like they yeah, just the one left it as <laughs> is. And then they're like, can we actually like go back there and use that? And then like, probably it really is really well preserved. It might just have a little <laughs> sand on it. But yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll bring some brooms. Let's get this out. Let's get this done. <laughs> that's, that's, I mean, a little bit, you know, think coming from a perspective of like, that seems kind of, you know, not responsible, you know, just leaving an entire set in the middle of nowhere. But I mean, it's a desert, so whatever, I guess. It's not my <laughs> I just work here. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know sure. I know with the Lord of the Rings, all that stuff they built and they kind of wanted to leave it out there, but it wasn't right. uh um gonna last with the weather. I think it all got kind of like broken in and destroyed. Yeah, it's just and then the when they went back into the Hobbit, they rebuilt Hobbiton with all kind of materials that won't degrade. So you can actually visit there now. And Which they probably the should have done the first time and saved themselves millions of dollars. Well, they didn't know it was going to be a big hit, just like Star Wars. I mean, Star yeah, Wars, yeah. Like George I, Lucas, I, had, I thought it was going to fail. So, but like, even when they were like building it, and at the end of it, they're like, oh, "I wish we could leave this here." And I'm like, "Had we built it with the right materials, we could have." But you know, uh, but yeah, yeah. I think I that... guess they also just built it in an environment that is not subject to allow stuff like that to just exist on its own for long yeah. periods of time. 
whereas in the desert when you just build like these like houses made out of wood and some made out of like plaster and stone those are probably gonna be fine because you know there's nothing happening out there there's no moisture there's no you know like wildlife to mess with it whereas it'll get eaten by the earth slowly in hobbiton you know i mean literally <laughs> so there's that yeah the sheep mm, all the sheep yeah apparently there's like five five sheep to every one human in new zealand so i i'm Fully believe that, hundred um, <laughs> percent. Just like, no, nah, I don't want to get into it. That's way off topic. I'm not. I'm gonna go on a huge rant. <laughs> Never mind. Forget I said anything. Uh, yeah, I think that's, thing, yeah. That, that's before. Yeah, before you say that, I think that's one of the most anticipated things to see how good Andor looks from all these on, on set, on location shoots. Um, so yeah, do you think it'll be better, worse, or the same? in terms of set design and visual effects as uh, Kenobi. No, it's gonna, as it's, it already looks better than Kenobi, but I think that's just from the type of like lensing they did as far as the Oh, they always show and, like the best stuff in the in the trailer. Yeah, Kenobi, mm-hmm. there's a whole lot of handheld stuff and that kind of was like, what? <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Put the camera on a, on a tripod and move the Hold tripod. Still. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But um, yeah, it, Andor looks fantastic. Everything we've seen, it looks great. So what's okay. the next point? Uh, the last point is how Andor uh, explores the gray areas of Star Wars. Yeah. Um, it goes kind of outside of the traditional box that Star Wars is in involving family and uh, overcoming um, you know, darkness. And Andor kind of goes outside the box. And just like, you know, we, we expected it at following the end of Rogue One where he just you know, explains all the things he's had to do that that go against, you know, what the morals are of his life and of the rebellion's life. So um it's kind of expected that they would kind of fill in some of the gray areas, um, and that he would um be tested by contradictions of his character and that he would just be um be tested by, you know, the darkness, um all like the the trials of life, I guess we could say. But also, this is him being slowly, you know, maybe exposed to um, potentially like the force, you know, the the power that Jedi and Sith had or had not. Because to a lot of the people of this time, you know, a lot of them have never experienced, you know, the force because like we like with Han Solo's experience, he doesn't even believe it exists because he's never seen it with his own eyes. And a lot of people even in our reality, think that way. If they don't see it, they don't believe it. Like with that uh, Texas-sized island of trash in the Pacific Ocean. If I don't see it, it doesn't exist, right? You know? Mm-hmm. I don't have to recycle yeah. if I don't have to see If I can't see it, right? That turtle didn't die because of my straw. I didn't see it. But I think that um, them discussing um, and testing Cassian's you know, characteristics, his morals slowly seeing him turn into from someone who may have had morals to someone who will do anything to get the job done where, you know, his logic, the ends justify the means. Um, that's really going to kind of get molded and we're going to see the process of how he became the person he is today. So I think that's just what that means. But again, we kind of expected that out of this series. So it's not really anything new. It's just something I wanted to mention. Mm-hmm. Yep. So uh, one of the people that are watching us on YouTube here has a uh, interesting question here. 
So this person, uh, their name is uh, Chermoki. Go on. Bucci. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they're asking, uh, do you think with all the money they poured into Rings of Power Andor could beat or match the visuals with the use of the volume? Well, Andor's not using the volume at all. We know that for a fact. Um, but we have seen the trailers, and the trailers look like they put a lot of money into CGI, like Matt referenced. Um, there, It looks like there's an end battle with a bunch of like explosions happening overhead from Andor, which is a fantastic shot. It just all the locations that we've seen look really, really nice. And it looks like they put a lot of their budget for streaming into Andor. And it looks like that was what they concentrated on, or they just kind of took the time with it and, and got the, uh, the artists that have to create everything on screen uh, digitally uh, and gave them the time they needed, and they looks like they did a really great job. It looks cinema quality. So, yeah, thanks um, for that question, by the way. Yeah, it was a great question. I think that, um, I mean, I never even got to, I didn't get to see the Rogue One in theater, so I haven't, I haven't seen that extra footage. Um, well, at some locations, it's still playing because there's nothing out in the movies right now that's actually there's new. a movie theater over here that they're 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 redoing uh the original jaws in theaters right now that's pretty yeah. cool they ha- yeah out. yeah they're doing that in imax i believe i'm like i kind of like them doing this whole thing where they like are redoing a bunch of classic films yeah well there's there was no a, new yeah. movies to release so right right they're now like, the number um, you know what the number one movie in the nation is right now in america uh, um no the re-release <laughs> oh, I, I know what it is. It's Morbius. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually Spider-Man No Way Home. They re-released it with like 11 minutes of new footage. And uh, it's number one at the box office right now. Yeah, Colin wanted me to go see it, but I had to go work. So, yeah. darn. I was like, well, I've seen it already and there's nothing new about it. So, <laughs> he was like, well, I didn't get to see it in IMAX. I was like, well, I did. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, I got to work. So while keeping on the subject of D23, I kind of want to discuss some exclusive Star Wars merchandise that we're going to see. I'm not going to go over all of it because there is literally dozens and I can't I can't handle it all. Um, but a couple of like key points, the ones that stuck out to me. I and mean, if you have any, I don't mention David, you can go ahead and pop them in too. Uh, for those of you who are pin collectors, uh, Fig Pin has a Boba Fett Fig Pin that is going to be an D23 exclusive. Um, it's pretty I like thick pins. Yeah, I love I love a good enamel pin, and they're not like <laughs> oversized. I think that um, this one it, it's cl- like I got this like classic comic book vibe to it, like yeah. most thick pins have. Um, another well, one see, I like to mention was the cool thing about fig pins is there's a code on the back of the fig pin, and they have an app, and you can type in the code, and uh, you can get points for that specific uh pin and depending on how many they made how exclusive it is you get a certain amount of points and you have like a virtual wall and you kind of you can compare yourself to other people that are collecting the same line as you and yeah they're they're really uh just pumping injecting people that have addictions to to pins <laughs> with a boost um i have a couple of friends you know living down here in Orlando Florida with disney just around the corner just down the road yeah. Um, there are a lot of pin freaks out here and I'm like, why do you spend so much money on 
pins. And like, why do you spend so much money on Star Wars? I said, you're right. Sorry. I take it back. But yeah, pins are a huge thing. They're cool. They're collectible. They're yeah. small, easy to trade. Pin trading is a, is a huge thing down here. Um, and it is at pretty much any con or expo that you go to. So um, no matter where you go, there's always a, um, a pin that can relate to whatever fan base you're a part of, whether it be anime, uh, Star Wars, you know, like Marvel, anything. There's always pins. There's always going to be pins. And there's also always going to be socks. Which is why I wanted to mention the um, the Darth Vader cracked helmet exclusive from uh, Rockham Sockham socks or Rockham socks. Um, it is the 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 choking thing of Darth Vader from uh, the Kenobi series with the crack in the helmet from the face looking like a raisin. So those are pretty cool because I'm a sock yeah, guy. I love those are really socks. cool. Another one is I'm going to be doing a couple of uh, different necklaces from Rock Love. Um, they have an Ahsoka Tano Kyber crystal necklace, which is like the hilt of Ahsoka Tano's blade with a Kyber crystal coming out of it. And it's like a little uh, little necklace right here. They also have one for uh, Reva, uh, which is pretty cool. A um, couple other things I want to mention is um, a Grogu shirt, which is a, a short sleeve button up shirt with little baby Grogu's and frogs all over it. Uh it's pretty great. And it's from RSVLTs. Um, VLTS. Um, that one's pretty reasonably priced. And another one I want to really mention because it kind of is, you know, it, it's something that could, I might potentially see here at uh, Gox's Edge in the future is the Obi-Wan Kenobi Legacy Lightsaber Edition box set, which comes with three different blades. It comes with um, Obi-Wan Kenobi's blade from The Phantom Menace. It comes with his blade from the original uh, prequel trilogy, and it comes with the one that we see him carrying in the uh, the original trilogy, not the prequel trilogy and the original trilogy. So there's three blades, um, and it comes in a customary um, and or um, Kenobi box um, with you know arabesque written on the side of it, and it looks tattered and awesome for five hundred and fifty dollars. And it is limited to only there's only three thousand of these boxes that are going to be sold at. Um, uh, at the expo so there's a whole line of ashley Eckstein and shop disney clothing um so you know you can look forward to that any star wars event they pretty much always have ashley Eckstein's um line of clothing going on there so that's cool um there's a couple of like tatooine um like merch that also has like this indiana jones you know uh you know color palette and um font to it um there's one that has the a map of tatooine that discusses the three major cities and um you know like where where you can find um the different cities and everything that lies in between them the same, where the sand crawler was and stuff like that so there's some pretty cool stuff there a couple other socks you know some original paintings and stuff like that but those are just the ones i really wanted to hit on or just the the socks the the lightsabers, the necklaces, those are pretty cool. Those are all the ones that I saw. Did you have anything on there that you saw that was pretty cool? Yeah, what we have on the screen right now, if you're watching us on YouTube or Twitch mm-hmm. or Twitter, um, Grogu on the uh, stone on Tython uh, communicating with Luke Skywalker. That's pretty cool. Um, and that is a that is a limited edition canvas by Thomas uh, Kincaid. Um, so that's it's pretty great and it's pretty reasonably priced for coming from kincaid studios um and being a framed piece of work 
Man, um, it looks, looks awesome. It is this other picture on the run with Luke and Leia swinging over the chasm in right. New Hope. That's that's pretty cool. Right, I love those the the blasters hitting and the causing like that red haze and the smoke right there. That's pretty great. Yeah, yeah, it's wow. awesome. So, all these items you can only purchase them if you go to D twenty three, right? <laughs> yes, these are all D twenty three exclusive. You might find them on eBay like in a couple days after for Ugh. a two hundred percent markup price, as the scalpers always do. We can never they can never fail to do that. Um, but so there's yeah. an opportunity for you. If you can't make it to 23, you're just going to have to pay a bigger price tag. Um, but that's always to be expected with these kinds of things. So, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we attempted as a podcast uh, to get uh, media credentials for D23 um, a little late in the game. Uh, so we weren't um, hopeful. We were hoping maybe James would go because James lives very close to right around the corner the convention center. So yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it might not be too late, but um, I don't think he's got an email or anything, but uh, I think Colin actually knows someone that's going to D 23. So possibly pick up something for the podcast. I don't know, but probably not. I don't know. <laughs> He'd be like, yeah, sure. For $500. Yeah. That wouldn't yeah. even get you the the legacy set of lightsabers, though. Although that so, did you see that? That looks awesome. Those yeah, the Kenobi sabers. Yeah, that looks really nice. Yeah. to I me like, that's wow. to me that's yeah. better than the uh, Skywalker legacy the Leia with yeah. the Leia, which I have. It's Rose like right behind me. Killed. Right. Yeah. It's like right. You get three blades right there. No. Yeah, I see the box. I, I yeah. see it. Yeah. Or like the the Ahsoka Tano ones, those ones that I wasn't really a big fan of. The her the ones that they have for um from the the Clone Wars were great, but the ones that she handles and um yeah, uh, Book of Boba Fett not so much. Um, yeah, and you imagine the Ahsoka stuff is gonna like skyrocket in price here pretty soon when that series drops. I think that series is gonna be one of the best. Right. I mean, if Ashley Exxon can like really hop on that merchandise bus with her, you know, her store, I mean, she's in the right time and the right market. And her company is at that level now that she can actually compete with uh, a lot of other major brands. Um, she's at pretty much every Star Wars related convention that you can be at. So yeah. that's pretty cool. So yeah. yeah. Saturday, 10 a.m. We'll know hopefully more stuff about maybe we'll get to watch it live. Possibly, I'll probably be on the road to Dallas at that point. So, I'm sure you'll find a way. You guys, <laughs> you guys are gonna have to update me. So, yeah, just constantly send some messages like this is what they just announced. Yeah, the so, group chat will probably light up for sure. Yeah, probably. Yeah. What was the next thing you wanted to talk about? Uh, we're gonna be discussing the um, Ubisoft Star Wars game. Um, this is uh, all from the words of. Uh, Giancarlo Esposito, um, the writers of Far Cry Six, um, are going to be working with Ubisoft to um, kind of work on the next Star Wars, you know, like uh, video game that is going to be produced by Ubisoft. Um, I don't know much about it. It's he just he was uh, mentioning it in an interview that he did um, with uh, Bespin Bulletin. Or it was posted on Bestman Bulletin. I don't think that's the interview. Yeah, it was at a Fan Expo, I believe, in Toronto. Yeah, the possibly. Fan Expo Canada 2022. Yeah. That's what it was. Yep. Yeah. So um, he 
I don't know. He would like to be in a Star Wars video game because he's pretty obviously in Far Cry 6. Um, he has enthusiastically responded to a fan question um, asking if he would be in a Star Wars video game. And he, he said the following. Oh, my goodness. Are you kidding me? It would be a wonderful thing. I'm hearing that um, Navid out of Montreal, the writer of Far Cry, is now moving on to a Star Wars and doing something for a Swedish company, which I know very little about, and I'm about to call him. Now, um, Navid is one of the writers of Far Cry 6, and um, I think it's important to note that he is discussing a Swedish company um, now as to what Swedish company he is um, referring to. Um, we know it as Ubisoft titles. Um, they are responsible for making a lot of Halo games, uh, uh, Far Cry, like four, five, and six, uh, Splinter Cell, Blacklist. Like they're responsible for a lot of production in, in this in this video game world. So the idea that they're getting involved um, in a Star Wars game that is not EA related, um, which is you know, primarily nowadays what Star Wars games in the in the past decade or so have been produced by. Um, and, you know, after the success of Far Cry 6 with Gian Esposito having significant ties to the video game world through that, as well as his ties to the Star Wars universe, you know, being um, Mon, not Mon, I almost said Mon Mothma, um, Moff Gideon. Um, I think there is huge potential, um, given that he has a lot of experience. Um, I mean, and I think that the, um, the company based in um, uh, Milano, I think M- Malmo, Sweden, the company they're talking about, mm-hmm. um, massive entertainment. They 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 are they're best known for like a like you got you maybe play the Division or Division Two, yeah, um, they like those the beautiful game you know in terms of just the campaign to the graphics to uh the the movement of the game and how it all works it's it's incredible and they are a company that is well suited to take on a star wars project because they have a huge a huge platform of different um outsourcing materials uh editors and creators um engineers they have a huge budget because they're one of the world's largest um video game creators and they've been doing it for a long time um and it would be nice to for star wars to step um not so much out of the spotlight of ea but to just advance and kind of you know see what else there is out there in the world um for the future of star wars um yeah but i mean the um, Massive Entertainment is currently working on um, Avatar, the Frontiers of Pandora, a video game. So, I mean, they already are kind of, you know, working with 20th Century. Um, So it wouldn't be that much of a huge jump in terms of working with a different production company um, by moving over to Lucasfilm because they're kind of one and the same at this point. So, and if that were to happen, if they were to create a game like that and it would probably come out either like spring of between spring of next year and um 
like spring of like 2024. So like sometime in the next two years, we would, we could potentially be seeing an Ubisoft uh, created star Wars game that may or may not involve uh, Giancarlo Esposito. So that's insanely cool to think about. Yeah. I think Giancarlo Esposito is one of the best living actors we have. And for him to be as fan friendly and as outspoken as he is and doing all these conventions, he was just here in San Antonio and um, he's always on the verge of dropping like huge spoilers. It feels like, but in San Antonio, he talked about how he's spoken with Marvel and he's heard about the rumors, him being Mr. Freeze and Batman and possibly being professor X and, and the X-Men and Marvel and MCU and Giancarlo Esposito might be one of the bigger stars of D23 because on Friday you're going to have the games to be talked about. He Mm -hmm. might play heavily in that. And then on Saturday he might be announced as professor X and, and X-Men. And of course he's in star Wars as Moff Gideon. And he's talked about in several other interviews where he says that, um, Specific things are going to be happening for his character, and it's like <laughs> I wonder. I wonder what Filoni and Favreau think of him talking as much as he actually does, and uh, just maybe seeing their faces once they find out what he's talking about. And it's like, yeah, you, you don't want him to to talk anymore. But I mean, it's fantastic. Like I said, he's one of the greatest living actors, and he's super fan fan friendly. If you go to a convention where he's at. He will talk to you. He has no hesitation. He will. He acts like he's just another fan, but of course, he's a tremendous actor. And I think the fans love him, and rightfully so. I mean, he's he's great on screen. He's great at conventions. He'll talk to anyone. And uh, I think I was this close to getting him for an interview for the podcast, but. Um, Things got a little, little hectic and pushed back. Because producer stepped in and said, hold on a second here. Because <laughs> yeah, he's he, got no filter. Yeah, know? he actually did a panel with uh, with one of the guys from the podcast um, in San Antonio that, that actually were doing uh, the hosting job. And, um, yeah, I mean, he went at length. It was almost like he was preaching, like he was giving a sermon or something. And uh, it was just so cool. Unfortunately, I wasn't there. It happened, like, really early in the morning. and. I woke up a little late and I got there right when it ended, but you can actually see it online if you just go to YouTube or TikTok. But yeah, it's it's terrific, man. He's totally game to do anything and everything. Video games, movies, TV shows. Hopefully, we do get a lot more of, of Moff Gideon and hopefully we get to see him in the MCU too. That'd be great. I think he's great. So That'd be fantastic, man. That'd be great. Yeah, that guy's He's a he's a great well-rounded actor who can really kind of adapt to whatever um you know role he's given. He really does uh embody a lot of different characteristics and he knows how to really work that face, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. For sure. So yeah, we got a question from uh the Boog. Hit it. Um he says or he or she says I'm not live, sorry, but what about Thrawn and Andor? It would be good setup for Mando or Ahsoka. Um, I don't think putting Thrawn in Andor is going to be the play they go for. Now, these uh, those timelines, I mean, in terms of what we would see in Ahsoka and what we little we saw from Mandalorian, those two timelines don't really line up. 
in terms of like Ahsoka's pursuit of his existence. Yeah, um, because this is before Rogue One, and Rogue One is like right up against A New Hope. Right. So I'm not sure what Thrawn's timeline is there where he is at that point in his life. Um, but if know, you're chatting, you know, let us know. But what, um, what is Thrawn doing at this point in time in the Empire? I mean, maybe it'd be cool if we like to saw him like in the background, like as a background character that has no specific ties to the plot. Just to be like, yeah. oh look, there's Thrawn because he does exist at this point in time. Uh, but I don't think he's gonna have any ties or contributions to the plot of this uh, series whatsoever. It'd be cool, but no, I don't think so. I think we will get cameos from other other surprise characters. So yeah, you might I, you might see some people popping around. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, that'd be interesting. The Mickelson brothers together. So yeah, Naz Mickelson plays um, Galen Erso, and his brother, who voices Thrawn in Rebels, uh, Lars Mickelson, um, could be cast. And that's another thing we might get at D twenty three is the casting for the Ahsoka show. Well, we know. Uh, Natasha, uh, Natasha Lou Bordizzo is going to play Sabine, but who's going to play Hera? Who's going to play Thrawn? Who's going to play Ezra? I mean, we might get that. We might get that on stage. I know the big like kind of speculation is that we're going to get the Fantastic Four casting, but uh, we might also get casting for the Ahsoka show too, and maybe get to see like a Christopher Lloyd on on stage as well for Mando season two or mm-hmm. three. So. Well, yeah, that'd be pretty great. Yeah, for but sure. uh, on to our second to last topic of the of the day, um, we are discussing how the Star Wars Acolyte project has begun. It is construction of its set in um, the United Kingdom. Um, they're expected to to start filming in October, and they've uh, begun the, the major constructions of the major set pieces. Um, they're sp- set to be recording. Uh, physically the the show from october until may of 2023 um they just revealed a couple months ago exclusively that the production will uh be taking place at uh shinefield studios in brickshire in the united kingdom so um between then and now them revealing they have obviously started on it um they have a huge lot like like i think it's like i want to say like 20 20 acres of outdoor land just for like one set and it's like i love it because it's in the middle of uh shinefields in brookshire and if you're not familiar with brookshire a majority of that town is is um like like cornfields like wheat like it's it's a Mm -hmm. farming town and then in the smack in the middle of this there's just this giant film studio which is going to be creating one of the the newest and potentially one of the, the coolest Sith related Star Wars series to date. And just imagine like you like plowing your field and they're over there like recording a Star Wars series. That's insane to me. I just think that's awesome. Um, and if you will, we'll link uh, in the, in the show notes, all these websites that we've uh, been referring to in articles, but in this article that I'm looking at right now, there's a picture of one of the outdoor sets that I'm referring to. And it's surrounded by a cornfield there's just a big wall surrounding the set. And then if right outside that wall, there's a field of, of crop. I'm not sure if it's corn. That's just the one I assumed. 
because you know I'm from the middle, the mid, the Middle East, not Middle East. I'm from the mid- <laughs> <laughs> from the Midwest in the United States. So the truth comes out. <laughs> no, um, yeah. Thank you for pulling it up. There's there's a, a little bit of the image right there that I'm referring to. Um, yeah, it's just, just surrounded by a, a crop field. Um, I think that's awesome. And we're getting to see a little bit of the outside of what we should expect to see in the accolade. I mean, if you can use your creative mind to sort of put together what this is going to look like, because it looks like a whole bunch of nothing right now, just wood and scaffolding, as most, most sets yeah, do. Yeah, that's what, what I was going to point out, too. I mean, it, it's primarily... Right. Just like a lot of stuff and... is just added in post. Yeah. And then this, they give you like the bare bones of, of a it almost looks like particle board or something. <laughs> it really does look it. like some flimsy stuff that could blow over <laughs> in, a, in a decent sized storm. And I'm like, okay, well, they obviously have to know what they're doing because yeah. this whole situation that's going on just looks sketchy. Um, yeah. But, Super high for Acolyte, though. Right. I mean, it, the, the possibilities are really endless. I mean, you jump from. Stuff with like a young Palpatine to a Darth Plagueis origin to like Darth Bane. I mean, there there's so many different avenues and routes. I mean, it could be almost like what the Rings of Power did with the, their prologue. They show the deep past connected to the present, which is what 100, 200 years before the Phantom Menace, and the fact that we're gonna get um, a female antagonist who's who's the main character of the show. And the lead up to, I mean, it, to me, there's almost no way that you're not going to get a young Palpatine in there. And we've had nothing connecting young Palpatine to the tragedy of Darth Plagueis the Wise. And this is a prime opportunity to do it. And I hope Leslie Headland does, the showrunner, does connect it all and, and give us that. That would be great. Um, it feels like that was maybe part of her pitch to... Kathleen Kennedy Lucasfilm to to do the show and that's why she she won the job. Um I know uh Leslie Headland has been like knee deep in Star Wars lore and reading the books and and just going back and just getting that knowledge that she didn't have before. Um so I'm it, it's going to be really interesting to see what comes about of of Acolyte. And we're not gonna. Are we gonna get that series next year? When does Acolyte come out? We might get it toward uh, the tail end. Of, I think fall of next year because they. Okay. Know, they, they finished filming in like spring, and then there's like that like six month ish period of like just editing. So, um, I'm not sure if it's. They don't. I don't think they've mentioned a specific date other than 2023. Okay. But, so so next year we could get the completion of Bad Batch season two, Mando season three, Ahsoka. And maybe Tales of the Jedi, and then Acolyte. I mean, that would be. What about that? Would almost be a crazy twenty twenty four. Yeah, skeleton, skeleton crew. crew as well. Yeah, yeah, because um, Ahsoka and Skeleton Crew are both currently in a, in filming production on the state side. Um, at like, is it what? What are they filming Ahsoka? What's the name of that studio? It's over in California. I can't remember. But I I do know that like Acolyte and Andor season two are filming at least parts of it in um, Pinewood Studios and Elstra Studios, um, and then Mandalorian season four 
um, is at Manhattan Beach Studios, and they're starting in September for season four. I'm like, you guys are starting season four in, like, September? Dang. That's insane. Yeah. Um, I I think Filoni and Favreau have a plan for that, too. But, yeah, it seems like all the Mandalorian stuff, all the Boba Fett stuff, all the Ahsoka stuff is all shooting in the same area. Which, right. yeah, you, you said is Manhattan Beach Studios. I mean, they're all like they're all under the direction of the same kind of production team, so it makes sense that they would all be in a similar location because you don't want to see like Dave Filoni like flying all over the world to take care of three different productions because you know, it just makes sense to have them all in the same spot logistically. Yeah, the article I just pulled up it says the date has not been announced yet officially. This was back in June, but I mean, if they're shooting now, I mean it. We could have the tail end of 2023 be Skeleton Crew. And it seems like they could put a lot of money into that. More money than probably Andor. And well, at the bottom of that, uh, the Bestman Bulletin article, it says that both Ahsoka and Skeleton Crew are expected to be finished in, with its filming at the end of this year. So they have yeah. like most of next year to do editing phases. And it will come out sometime probably even if, either at the end of summer or mid to late fall of next year so we're gonna have a lot of star wars happening on the second half i mean pretty much all year round with you know with uh mandalorian and coming out in the springtime or and uh, yeah yeah it really feels like to me d23 is gonna be the start of that next cycle because we'll have clear information as to what the strategy is because that glaring hole now that is the film date for December 2023. It's like, what are they going to do about that? Is that going to mm-hmm. be that climactic event that Kathleen Kennedy talked about in that Investor Day call? Um, that'd be cool if it is, because like we just said, Mandalorian, Boba Fett, Ahsoka shooting in the same spot. They could just film it there too, knock it all out. Maybe they are filming it. We don't know yet, but hopefully we get some clarity at D23. That is Saturday. The purpose. Yeah. So that is the purpose of the D23 mostly. So we'll see. But uh, that's the end of that. And then the the final thing that I wanted to discuss is kind of more of, uh, you know, um, really like Star Wars, like gossip, I guess. Um, and it's an article that was uh, first seen in an interview on Sirius XM um, with Senior John Boyega, otherwise known as uh, Finn in the Star Wars universe, two one eight seven. I don't know. Two one eight seven. Fn two one eight. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. Um, but he, in this like four minute clip of the interview, um, the interviewer of SiriusXM, I can't name right now. Um, he just he's openly discussing John Fugel saying. That's He's it. Been I know that they yeah. were like John and John, and I was like, I don't know <laughs> what his last name is, so I'm not even going to try. Yeah, he was one of the original like VJs for VH1, I believe. VH1. Yeah, back in yeah. like the early '90s, late '80s. Anyways, but yeah, Fugel sang right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, he basically discusses, you know, the potential for um, Finn's character in the future of Star Wars, and. To put it in the words of John Boyega, he said, at this point, I'm good off it. I'm good off it. <laughs> I think, to be fair, all the allies I've found with Jewel Taylor, Jimmy Fox, Toyana Harris, Viola Davis, all these people. Now, 
you know, he's just <laughs> discussing, uh, like, basically, he, th- he said, I think Finn is good at confirmation point, and you can just enjoy him and other things and games and animation. But I feel like episode um, eight to episode nine was good for me. He, he's saying that his time that he spent in Star Wars with the sequel trilogy was enough for him. Um, that he feels as if his character was sort of, and to put it in his own words, put on the back burner from the beginning um, and the introduction to his character being this um, heroine that, you know, um, kind of abandons and um, leaves the Empire, or not the Empire, the First Order. Um, so at the beginning of the first film, he is expected to be this large leading role um, and then uh, Ray's character kind of takes the spotlight and he gets pushed off to the side. Um, you know, because at the beginning, they kind of were thinking about John Boyega's character being a force wielder or being a force sensitive individual. Um, and then they leaned way away from that very fast, um, you know, after introducing him as a hero- heroic figure. So I or heroic, not heroic. What am I doing? Um, a heroic figure. So I, I, I mean, I agree with a lot of what he's saying, and like you know, with the the more recent stuff with uh, tomorrow, not tomorrow, Morrison, um, the girl from who dealt with the the Kelly Marie Tran comments from um, Kenobi. Uh, oh, uh, Moses Ingram. Yeah, because he was he discussed in the interview how he fully uh, he fully supports her. Um, and he said that it doesn't matter who started the movement as long as you hop on board and be a part of it. Um, mm-hmm. Because as an African-American representative in the Star Wars universe um, that was originally um, kind of not really accepted in the Star Wars universe. And also at that point in time, he wasn't very well defended by by the the Disney and the Disney brand in, in Lucasfilm. He was they kind of didn't really give up the the very defensive front that they did as recently with uh, Moses Ingram in Kenobi and with the response that Ewan McGregor gave on social media and in interviews, the way that he came to the defense of one of his co-stars of his series, he felt as if he didn't get the same kind of respect that, that she did. Um, and obviously that's a reflection of our culture today. Society is always constantly changing, especially in the recent years. It's moving very fast. Um, uh, we were coming a more and more accepting society very fast. You know, if this happened in like the early two thousands, we would be having an entirely different conversation. If this happened back in the 1970s and eighties during the original trilogy, we'd be having an entirely different conversation. So I understand the frustrations and the, the situation that John Boyega has put himself in both in modern society as well as pop culture. And just with the way that he represented himself and his culture as recently as like in 2020 and 2021, when it came to like black lives matter protests and being a physical presence in society as being a person who is a representative of change in society. Uh, and being such a main Star Wars character, I think that um, he's well within his rights and his own opinions to discuss what he does on the podcast. And you should go listen to it if you haven't already. You can find it on YouTube or we'll link it in the show nights, show notes and um, the bottom of the article. Way, the way that he just rules out returning to Star Wars and his reasoning why, while sad, 
um, is understandable. And coming from our perspective of a cisgendered straight white male with blonde hair and blue eyes, <laughs> I have uh, the unique perspective of, of representing a majority of, you know, people that look like me that may or may not support him. And I, I, for one, fully do. I think that everything that he's saying is is well-founded, that he has gone through a lot in his life and especially in his career, that he's well within his reason and right to feel the way he does. Um, and he very openly promotes and voices his opinion um, on social media and in interviews and in his personal life, which I think is a, a great outstanding characteristic for any person that's in um, the social eye to have or the public eye. So, yeah, I got a question for you. What does cisgendered mean? Um, it's kind of like in terms of like it's more of a, a sexuality and relating i might get this wrong and if i do i would <laughs> like for people to not light me up on the, the <laughs> on the comments i would like that not to happen and if you wanted a more descriptive and detail-oriented answer i think ray is the best person to answer this but okay well there essentially means what yeah, you got did, yeah i got it denoting or relating to a person whose sense of personal identity and gender corresponds with their birth sex. Right. I, I was born male. I identify as male. My sexuality is heterosexual. And those are all predetermined factors that you would find within the normal parameters of a that, male. Okay. So I, I uh, am accustomed and go by the what modern society would deem that a white male uh, heterosexual would you know, abide by. That doesn't mean that I disagree with anyone else's sexuality, genders, or race at all. That's just me. So I would like to not get any further into this conversation. <laughs> I just wanted to put that out there. I support everyone regardless of their sexuality, race, gender, you know. Yeah, religion. we're going to move out of that conversation and move into I racism do. here. Yep, so. Let's do it. <laughs> so yeah, I remember back in 2014 when they dropped that Black Friday trailer where you see John Boyega for the first time lift his head up and you hear Andy Serkis's voiceover as Snoke. We didn't know at the time he was Snoke, but there was a lot of talk online that it's like, how can you have a black stormtrooper? It's like, I was thinking, well, how can you not? How can Snoke Snoke? Explain this. <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah, it was kind of weird. And people were like, well, stormtroopers are clones and uh, you can't have a black clone. It's like, well, I mean, awesome. you're you're, you're kind of you kind of don't know what the Star Wars You've been like. Stopped. Like, <laughs> I mean, you you kind of don't know what stormtroopers actually are. So yeah, it's you're you're kind of just and especially showing like your we we've, we've discussed this in in different series, you know, since then that yeah most of stormtroopers that exist in the Empire from the original trilogy are conscripted soldiers that are not mm -hmm. clones. Most of the clones yeah. have been phased out of the army. So you're wrong, sir. False. Yeah, we saw a huge storyline of that in the Bad Batch. I'm like seven years good. late, but yeah, I want yeah. to put that out there in the public. But when I saw that first trailer with John Boyega with the lightsaber, I was like, oh, cool, we're going to get another Jedi figure. And then, of course, we watched The Force Awakens, and he clearly wasn't Jedi. He was a, he was a stormtrooper. We all figured, well, he must be Force-sensitive. And I think as we were in that time, of the aftermath of the force awakens and leading into the last Jedi. Then we got the last Jedi. We got nothing of the sort from Finn being, 
for sensitive at all, really. And I think we got the backstory um, that he did train. Uh, that's why he was able to take on that guy with the uh, that stormtrooper with the baton. That, right. That's finally shot at the end by the bowcaster. Um, so that there was an explanation for that. And of course, John Boyega, he was a very, very kind of um, up and coming young actor uh, who did um, who starred in Attack, Attack the Block, which was um, held for his his acting. And people could just basically tell that he was a really good actor and he was sought after. And of course, J.J. was a fan yeah. of that film and wanted him to play that role and apparently John Boyega went through like nine months of auditions and uh, yeah which was interesting and I, I know J.J. Abrams was asked the question were you trying to cast a specific gender slash race for these parts and I think J.J.'s answer was kind of like yes um, he didn't he wanted to cast the way the world looked that was his final answer for that and star wars pretty much i thought that was i thought that was real cool that he did that um but of course he did get top talent because of course it's star wars i mean you got oscar isaac who's a huge star now he was pretty big back then too uh, and very sought after as well as adam driver and john boyega of course and one of the things that john boyega didn't mention was the fact that they didn't have anyone on set that uh, worked on um, hair for African Americans, you know. So it's uh, he said that was one of the things that was kind of like puzzling. Um, but then to see his character go from the promise of what the commercials had and the trailers had down to what he became in the Rise of Skywalker, which was just kind of a side character, and you find out after he's sinking into that the 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 quicksand there he that was the conveyance that he was force sensitive. And now we have that opportunity where John Boyega can be in a new TV show or film and have him restart up like a Jedi Academy and become the Jedi that I think we got the promise of in the sequels. But of course there's only so much time to tell so much story to tell in the time allotted in films. But then Opposed to that, John Boyega was like, don't Disney Plus me. And he said that before Disney Plus launched. And of course, Disney Plus is the big hit. Everyone wants to be on Disney Plus now. So he kind of put his foot in his mouth there. Um, And now he has this article saying that he's good with Star Wars, that uh, he's moving on. But I don't think that's the case. I think he will be back eventually, as well as Daisy Ridley will. Yeah, I don't and, think he's uh, the first. Pretty much like, everyone else. Star Wars to say that. Like, were they, so, like, even, like, back then, like, I'm done with Star Wars. I'm moving on to someone else. Like, so, even, like, even at one point, like, um, Harrison Ford kind of said that. He was like, that I, that was my past. I had my future. Get off my plane kind of stuff. Um, and then he eventually made his way back. Um, yeah, yeah. And I think it'll be a huge missed opportunity if he doesn't come back and play Finn. Right. I mean, it's, his... I mean, his positioning and where he is, and he's he's totally set up to possibly be almost like a Black Panther type figure for Star Wars. You know, I mean, he could head up his own trilogy even. He can be given more than what I think Chad McBoseman was offered in Black Panther, you know. Um, and I've talked about it several times when I was at Celebration. There was a group of Black fans that were 
uh, trying to tell me that, hey, look, we thought we were going to get our Black Jedi. Um, of course, we all had Mace Windu, but he wasn't a main character. And Finn yeah. was kind of that promise for them. And I, I can see I can see their argument. I mean, I, I thought he was going to be a Jedi as well, but it didn't come to fruition. And now there's this opportunity. And now he says, I don't want to be in Star Wars. And it's like, well, I think he's a great actor. He can do pretty much anything. He's going to be in a couple of pretty big films here coming up. Uh, but I wouldn't go in the media and, and say that I don't want to do Star Wars because we all know Star Wars will contact a- actors like they contacted Diego Luna and just gave him a phone call and say, hey, are you interested? Maybe they don't call John Boyega because of this interview he did now. And maybe they just move on and be like, hey, well, let's get the next guy that we think is going to be the next like hot actor, the next talented young guy. Because, of course, sure. they want to cast young so that they can do multiple sequels and multiple build off of them. Yeah. Yeah. Trilogies. And it's like, it's, I don't think John should have said that, but I mean, to each his own, I think that's, um, I think he speaks from the heart and I think it's just unfortunate that he said that, but I don't know. We'll see. Like you say, people will say that and then they come back and it's like, well, everyone's just going to forget that interview, forget what he said. And, they're just yeah. going to be like, oh, he was Finn in the sequel trilogy. Now he's back. He's force sensitive. Give him a lightsaber. Let's go. I mean, that that kid with the broom in Last Jedi got more force sensitive like action than he did. <laughs> and they were like at the beginning basing it off of him. And I was like, what? Well, he didn't hang know. with Kylo Ren for a little while in the Force mm-hmm. Awakens. He did that. So. Because yeah. like I don't know, like maybe we'll see him like go to like some kind of like Jedi Academy, and then like Samuel Jackson will come back, and he'll like have like an old man beard and like a robotic hand, and he's like, "You're doing it wrong, mother," you know, <laughs> <laughs> like slap him with a stick. I think Jedi slapping people on the hand with sticks is like the new way to train, um, like yeah. we saw with uh, Luke Skywalker and Last Jedi. So yeah, let's do that. That is all I have on my schedule and roster for today's episode. Uh, if you had anything else you wanted to discuss, now is the time. Uh, you can always find us on Facebook. We have a page and we have a group. Uh, Star the Podcast. All you have to do is look us up with that. Um, we also are on Patreon. Uh, we try and put up daily content, daily podcasts. I know you've been uh, lacking as of late, but... Um, Star Wars news, Star Wars stuff is about to pick up in a huge way. So we're going to be busy. You want to, yeah, if you want to keep up with um, any big news that drops that day, we're going to do a, bo- a podcast about it. We're just going to have to talk about it because that's just us. Mm-hmm. So yeah, go to uh, patreon.com. You can look us up at Star Wars Stuff Podcast 2187. Of course, we're also on Instagram, of course. Um, Colin runs that, and it's at Star Wars Stuff Podcast. Uh, you can find us at Twitter at Stuff Pod, uh, TikTok. Uh, we have a TikTok account. Um, also, you can email us, and we have been getting emails at Star Wars Stuff Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, also, do us a big favor. If you can't do Patreon, you can go on uh, for free on Apple Podcasts, give us five stars, give us a great review. Ah, That'd be much appreciated. Uh, people can find us a whole lot easier that way. Um, and of course, YouTube. Uh, if you uh, like and subscribe, we would love it. Um, I'm looking for the YouTube thing here. So yeah, like, subscribe, and hit the notify bell. 
for YouTube. We're on YouTube ding, right ding. now, in case you didn't know. Yeah. And um, yeah, we have a, a website uh, linking you to every place that I just talked about, stuffpodcastnetwork.com. We're also on Twitch. We're streaming live to Twitch. And um, that's pretty much it. We're everywhere. And if you find one of our social medias, you'll be able to find the rest of them. So it's just that easy. Yeah, um, but if you wanted to watch us live, we do that on Twitch, YouTube, and Facebook primarily. Um, so you get to see our pretty faces. But if you're listening to us in your car, in your home, at your yoga studio, in the bathroom, at the pool, whatever you're doing, get out your phones, go to our social medias, give us a review, make it preferably five stars. I mean, I, I, <laughs> I prefer five stars. Give us an honest rate, but honestly five is probably an honest response it's whatever you do what you want to do but make it five stars that's pretty great yeah five stars yeah for sure five stars um, all right so matt for matt my name is david may the force be with you always five stars <laughs>